That could be your radio voice. I mean, you I talk, mean, it could be, but I'd have to then talk like that the whole time. Yeah, that'd be hard to sustain. Eventually, I wouldn't be able to do it. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. Uh, on this show, we like to bring together fans and critics, whether you're someone that uh, that writes or you know speaks on the, the film industry in general, or whether you're just a fan. And today we have the latter on our hands. We have uh, <laughs> she's laughing already. <laughs> I have to qualify a little bit of what the show is about. So um, this this week we have Carrie Jones, longtime friend slash former coworker slash spiritual guru, is what Kai and I refer to you as. So, uh, Carrie, good to have you on the show. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. This uh, conversation about this movie has been uh, years in the making. I've been trying to get Rob to watch a Wong Kar Wai movie for years and years. So I'm very excited to be here. And I also wanted to wish Crooked Table congratulations. You're almost on your 100th episode. Is that correct? That is. We'll be so there in a few congrats. weeks. congrats. And um, so I'm glad to participate. Hopefully I can say something interesting here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the idea in having the guests pick the movie is that it's, you know, it's already kind of a built-in factor that you're passionate about this filmmaker and or this film. So um, why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about how we know each other. I mean, I sort of alluded to it. And, uh, and then we can kind of take it from there. Sure. We worked at a media company together. Uh, I actually applied for Rob's job, and he got it. So uh, Sorry about that's that. How <laughs> that's bad <laughs> first impression. That's how we met. And um, we even had some wicked movie debates back then. That was almost a decade ago. So um, this is not our first film conversation, for sure. No, um, if... You're lucky that I didn't just mandate that we talk about Black Swan. Oh, I didn't want to mention the Black Swan debate, but uh, yeah, that's that's a big one. We might have to we might have to have another podcast. Maybe on I think that so. One. I think so. Well, we can... I also have the I also have the uh, Crooked Table Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/CrookedTable, and I've been toying with the idea about doing some bonus content. So maybe have maybe like debates like that could go on there or something. So I have a lot of ideas that I'm not executing yet. So we'll see. 2019 just started, so there's a lot of time left to get on that. So uh, so yeah, so basically we worked together. And then when Kai moved to Tampa uh, after her travels, and you can read all about that. Uh, actually, I should put the link to that in the show notes. To mm -hmm. Kai wrote a whole book about, because um, listeners know Kai, she's been on many times. Uh, she wrote a whole book about her trip t uh, to China and Australia and her adventures there. So then when she moved back to Florida and she and I started dating soon after she ended up in Tampa, I'm giving our life story now, but to contextualize <laughs> with Carrie's role in this, uh, Carrie and I were working together and Kai actually lived with Carrie for uh, several months, I guess, right? A couple months. Yeah. 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 And that then, was fun. Yeah. And then just a couple of years ago, you actually stayed with us for a little while too. So, uh, you know that you've kind of been there for the 
the totality of our relationship. I really have. I got to go to your wedding and uh, participate in your baby shower and yeah, uh, our daughter's so, birthdays and everything. Yeah. So I definitely and Kai calls me Aunt Carrie. So that's right. That, that's right. I feel very honored and um, really have um, just enjoyed being a part of your life, your lives. Yeah, here yeah, we are. Great. Here we are. So ten, almost ten years now. Yeah, I think we've known each are. other. So time goes yeah. by fast. It really it's does. Crazy. It really does. So when I asked you uh, about what movie to pick for this episode about being on, did you initially were you or did you already jump straight to Wong Kar Wai in your head? Of course, of course. Uh, my favorite film of all time is In the Mood for Love, which is a Wong Kar Wai film, and so I've been trying to get Rob to watch that movie forever. And uh, that kind of sounded like Sandlot, which it was. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but we actually decided to talk about Grandmaster, which is more recent film of his and definitely more popular uh, in China, at least, and has a kung fu vibe to it. So what the heck? Why not? Yeah. So, uh, But In the Mood for Love, I will clarify, is my favorite film of his and his best. So, is that your favorite film of all time, or is it? It really, it really is. is. It okay, really I, now is. I really have to watch it. Yeah, you. you really now that I now you that do. I have been inducted into Wong Kar Wai. Yes, as you a, have. As a filmmaker, yeah. So we'll work, we can work, work backwards. Yeah, there you we can go. Work backwards. Um, four of his films are kind of all interrelated. Mm-hmm. So you might want to start oh, cool. at the beginning, but even the first one I, I haven't seen. I'm ashamed to say, but. Uh, Is it hard to track down in the U.S. possibly? I don't know. I don't know why I haven't. Maybe Hmm. it would be easier now. Um, Maybe. Back when I fell in love with him when, you know, it was early 2000s, um, it wasn't really that easy to get Mm -hmm. a Chinese film. So um, I did have to order it online. Oh, my gosh. It's got to be streaming somewhere now (laughs) at this point. I'm sure it would be a lot easier to procure, but... Uh, yeah, so you definitely have to check out all his movies. Um, this movie still still definitely exudes his signature vibe um, and his aesthetic and his style. So I think it was a good one to get you started in. And it, and it kind of has that uh, Yip Man thing going on. So uh, that can kind of ease people in and it's not so much an art house film mm-hmm. ooh scary art house or something like that so yeah so great so let's uh, as as Carrie mentioned we're going to be talking about the grand master so let's listen to a little bit of the trailer right now from visionary director Wong Kar Wai and legendary fight choreographer Yuen Wu Ping comes the true story that changed martial arts forever. So that was a little bit of the trailer for the Grand Master. As you might suspect for a foreign language film, it's as it's very heavy on the narration. And it's always weird to me when studio. I mean, I understand why, but it's always weird to me when studios sell either foreign language films or musicals without really denoting, like without really revealing anything about the kind of movie it is. You know what I mean? Like you'd see, like I remember back in the day, I think they had trailers for 
uh, Chicago that had no musical, no singing in it whatsoever. It was just like people talking, cut back and forth with like, you know, oh, jazz beat were, behind it or whatever. They, maybe they were trying to get the non-musical I guess. But then what do they expect? I mean, I guess they get your money and then you're in there being right. like, what? A musical? <laughs> to hell with this. How dare they? And I think that's, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people in the U.S. are very, you know, very uh, reticent to having to read subtitles or anything. I don't know why. I love watching a movie right. with subtitles. It just makes me feel like I really understand everything that's going on. Sometimes you miss things I mean, and in I, the I much prefer it than dubbing. That's really just... I find that so oh, much more that's distracting. Awful. I can't do that. I can't do that. But I did have an idea. I think that maybe one time you and I should discuss a musical and we can sing in the podcast. Nice. There you go. So there's another idea for you. Just keep piling them on. I know, seriously. More, more things for you to do, Rob. Get started on it already. Gosh. Well, last episode, Ashley and I uh, talked about April Fool's Day, which actually ends on a Monday. And we, I came up with this random idea about how I should just to, to like discuss, have somebody on either, you know, either Ashley or whoever, and just um, make up, like discuss an, an imaginary film. And just like go along and improv our whole way through, and like, and then the aliens came, and then could you believe when the, the you know this person was revealed to be, that would be whatever funny or robot you, or yeah, it was. You put it all that time. I don't know if I will have the. I don't know if I have the spare time to do something like that, but it's a good idea. Yeah, maybe you can make it like a trailer or a short film or something. It could be a short film review, and it could be shorter. There you so go. You could accomplish bonus it. content. Yes, bonus content Completely for Patreon. Fake. I could do a yes. lot of that. Okay. You didn't hear any of this, listener. (laughs) Um, So, you were mentioning, I guess you kind of got into this a little bit already, but since you love Wong Kar Wai so much, uh, and you wanted to pick one of his films, you you just decided to go for this one just because it was more accessible? I think so. I think it's more recent, and, uh, you know, it's definitely his, like I said, it's his most popular film in China, I believe. I I think even here, I mean, that's not saying much, because... Foreign films right, don't really right. make and much it here. it followed but. all the Ip Man um, series, and so it's, you know, uh, based on a topic, on a character, on an actual person that, you know, we kind of know here in America. And so I just did I don't know. I thought it would be, you know, more, more modern, more current. Yeah. Even though it's like a four-year-old film, five, yeah. five-year-old film. Six now, I guess, oh, 2019. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but um and the marketing like the the box the dvd box and the marketing right. here really plays up like the the mess the, the story of the master that trained bruce lee like they really play up the bruce lee recognition exactly even though in the movie that's kind of like not even really a part of it until yeah, the very end maybe they mention it spoiler anyway alert. Don't, well, <laughs> it's a six-year-old movie <laughs> plus it's a real life person <laughs> so what is your, you know, what is your history like with this film? Like, did you see it in theaters when it was released here? No, or I, I didn't. Okay, how no, did that No, I just, I just rented it. Uh, I have seen his films in theaters. Um, I actually saw the first film I saw of his was in an international film class. Okay, um, that's that makes sense. How, yeah, and I saw Chungking Express, which is. Uh, a little more lighthearted, I think, um, and kind of a little bit more quirky than this movie is. But so that's where I fell in love with him, and 
and his work. And uh, then I saw 2046 in a theater in Atlanta and, you know, tried to make sure that I, oh, I was so excited to get there and see it in the theater. But I like to watch uh, movies at home because, like I said, sometimes with the captions and like to watch them over and over again. And sometimes you miss things in the theater. Oh, yeah, a lot of times. So, and then there's popcorn crunching and, you know, all Pause the... for bathroom breaks. Right, and all exactly, that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. More convenient so, all the time. So, no, I didn't see it in the theater. I actually only watched it maybe one time. And um, so that's how confident I am in this man's abilities <laughs> uh, to, you know, present this film to you. Right. Um, so, so... Well, as has been as has been revealed, I have never seen a Wong Kar Wai movie, which is really bad for a movie person, <laughs> especially with you know in the mood for love and like you said, Chungking Express and uh, I'm familiar with his work. Like I've heard about a lot of them, My Blueberry Nights and things like that. I just for some reason just it's one of those things that I've been meaning to see and meaning to catch up with, but never did. I still haven't seen all the Wes Anderson movies either, by the way. Oh yeah, that's we, a whole we other. We could thing. have another podcast on go. him. I love him. The Wes Anderson oh, Moonrise Uvra. Kingdom and oh yeah, he's great. He's great. So. Oh, side note: Did you see Isle of Dogs? No, I haven't. Oh, that was good too. It looks, it looks like it's too, <coughs> too emotional. Really. But, I'm such uh, because, a big softy, right? Well, you're, you're, you know that. Yeah, that's true. So, Especially with dogs and everything. Right, yeah. right. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to check it out. but Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, so, you want to tell people a little bit about what uh, Grandmaster is about to kind of ease us into a full-blown review? Sure. So, it follows the story of Yip Man. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And I want to apologize in advance for any butcherings of any names uh, in, in during the course of this podcast. So, there's that. Uh, but it follows his life uh, basically from his birth to, uh, what, let's say, 1960s uh, yeah around there to when he really started to popularize this movement and um yeah and if it it focuses on i believe the art of kung fu and it's just really a love piece to that in in my opinion i mm -hmm. mean i think it even goes beyond him because it talks a lot about uh unifying the different martial arts schools in the country, in the North and the South. And right. um, so for me, it's not even so much about the man, really, um, but about the times. And I think that's one thing that Wong Kar Wai does is that he's always uh, looking at what what time period it's in and the people that are living in that time and how they're being affected. And this man personally goes through a lot. He's, he's very wealthy in his early age and... Um, it all comes crashing down. So there's that that he has to deal with along with uh, what's happening in his country. So yeah, it's uh, I, I found it really interesting that the, the you know the title of the film and all the marketing really focusing it, you know, pushing that this is a, a Yibman uh, biopic, but it, in a way it is and in a way it's not because the uh, Zhang Zi, which is what I'm gonna have, the pronunciation I'm going with. Um, she gets just as much focus and screen mm -hmm. time as he does, right. and in a way, it kind of almost feels more like her story than his. Yes. And I yeah. thought that was, you know, not what I was expecting. Right, and if you are expecting a, a typical kung fu movie, you've kind of come to the wrong place. Like, if yeah. you want to watch what's his name, Donnie Yen, kick some ass. I mean, the regular Yip Mons are. 
exactly where you want to go. Right. This is not that kind of film. So um, back away, listeners, if if you're not expecting um, some really hardcore fighting. There are some beautiful fight scenes, but I think he takes the... he t- he In some of his other films, dance has become a... A way that he shows, you know, he expresses the film and, and moves the film along, and that's the way that he treats kung fu in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of a dance that he shows and um, touches on certain movements, and uh, so it's it's not a fight movie. It's definitely not a fight movie. So well, it's still. I mean, and the the choreography is still done by Yen Wu Ping, who did. I mean, he's most famous here for doing the Matrix movies. Right. So there is still that, like, authenticity to... <clears throat> authenticity and and uh, kind of exhilaration to the martial arts sequences. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, if you're watching this, if you think this is an action movie, you're going to be disappointed. Even though there are, like, some really great, really impressive yes. action sequences that we'll talk about. But, like, I mean, it pretty much opens up on Tony Lung... Tony Lung? Learn, no. I think, is how no. you pronounce that okay. name. Okay, see, again, pronunciations. We're white people. We don't know how to say <laughs> their names properly. It's our bad, not theirs. Respectfully. Yes, exactly. Respectfully. That's what I mean. I don't We're want to sound trying. like a minimalizer. We're trying. So uh, it, it opens up on Yip Man uh, in fighting the fight in the rain, I think, is yes. pretty much the very beginning. Which, yes. of course, all I was noticing, like, what a cool hat he's got on. And then, like, the rain, is he spinning? The, like, raindrops, like, flying off be, of his fedora. That would be you, Rob, checking like, out yeah. the hat. Yeah, from what I read, uh, Wong really wanted to show that Tony could do a fight scene. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of just set this up to sh- to show, like, hey, Tony can fight. This is really one. him. This is really him really right. doing this. Right. And also, he put the hat on onto Yip Man to kind of distinguish him from other fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a very wealthy man. He came from a wealthy family. And he kind of says that he just lives off his family money until he's about 40. And he just... Uh, just practices his martial arts. And so uh, the first scene is to kind of establish Tony, the actor, mm. as, a, as a fight actor. Right. And then also to establish who this man is and kind of show that he carries a class. He has a class uh, and a sophistication about him that maybe other fighters don't have. And Tony is basically his guy. Like he's in yes. he's most of, if not, yeah, like most of his films, right? Yes. Okay. No, I wouldn't say all of them, but he is in <coughs> right. quite a few of them. Yeah, that's his go-to so, collaborator, yes. I guess. And I love him, too. Oh. Yeah, and he's great in this. He is. And and then the first scene is is just a, also a nice little taste, a little uh, amuse-bouche of what, what Wong can do with mm-hmm. his camera. So uh, you really get to see his style unfold. And yes, the, the, the raindrops on the hat and it the feels like, that... it feels like something out of the, well, I mean, it feels like something out of the matrix you does know, because it? I'm going from the, the, the yeah, choreography it does, standpoint and like, about it. cause the whole, you know, the, I'm a huge fan of the, the matrix trilogy hint, hint for future episodes, but, um, talk about the matrix too. That's a great one. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, but uh, the, that whole climax of like, even the third film takes place in the rain, so it kind of called to mind a little bit yes. of that for me. Yes. And I, and I wonder if that was Wong Kar Wai's idea or Yen Wu Ping, probably kind of a combination of the two of them. Um, I think that he does a lot of he does a lot of water work, uh, which have... would make makes it that much harder to 
capture on film, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, there's a lot lot more that can go wrong and a lot of factors that have to be controlled. How many, however many takes they have to do to get that And he did say it was utterly miserable. um, Sounds like it. I think they started that and then they were also filming in the, in, in, um, winter they were trying to film it in winter or something just crazy like that uh so yeah he did say that it was pretty rough for them to do the scene but it's more beautiful yeah, yeah it's really great so so it starts in, in 1936 in foshan in southern china mm-hmm. and i forget now is the yip man mitt man's from the north right he's from the south oh, he's from the south yeah. and he goes to the north to basically challenge them to become the grandmaster right. of all China. Yeah, I think the grandmaster of the North is retiring, and right. he's he's uh, you know passing down his, his torch. Um, his his student that he chooses is not actually related to him. It's not his son. He has a daughter mm-hmm. who has learned the sixty four hands, but uh, she's his daughter, and that's one of the things that I really wanted to bring up in the in the film is. Uh, about legacy and how uh, the legacy cannot be passed on to the woman. Right. And um, for me, that's very personal because I um, and I may go off on a tangent here, no, go but for it. my uh, my maternal grandfather was an electrician, and when I was young, he had a huge garage full of all these tools and just amazing contraptions and things that I that I was just amazed by and astounded by. But he had three daughters. And he didn't teach any of them what he knew. And he he wanted them to work in an office and be a secretary because if they if they worked at a restaurant, they might not be treated so well, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was never it was never even a thought that you know he might teach them the skill and pass on right. the skill. So the idea of legacy and and the grandmaster passing on the torch and what he what he says is that he wants to unify all the different martial arts schools of China together. And so um, there's a contest and uh, it's, it's the Yip Man all the way, yep. for sure. And then after that, um, his daughter then wants to try to, you know, settle the score per se. Mm-hmm. So then they have an epic battle on a, like, Gravity defying. The train station battle? No, or no? the oh, staircase right. battle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was jumping too far ahead. She's jump. Yeah, she's just jumping staircase. I mean, it's very, um, you know, it's very House of Flying Daggers. Right. It's very Crouching same Tiger. Same actress, too, yeah. Way. Yeah, and same actress. So um, it's just beautiful to watch. And there's also kind of a philosophical contest about mm-hmm. the cake. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Um, I wrote where, that down. where they're talking sure. about the cake and how the grandmaster has divided the country between the north and south, and Yipman says, you know, the southern martial arts is about taking a step even further back and not not um, pigeonholing our perception into uh, you know an either or division, mm-hmm. and, and how he talks about the southern martial arts are much bigger than that, and so and then he. Because the so North kind of looks down on the South techniques, I think, a little bit, right? I think they that all the look vibe, down on yeah. each other's yeah. techniques, and which I Everybody don't understand. Because if you know, well, I mean, it's I mean, not to get into all of this, but it's like that. And look at religion or politics. Like everybody's very. It, this is kind of in a way their religion. You're right. The, the martial arts and it's a lifestyle for them. It's not just look. I could do this cool move. 
You know, it's about meditation and being one and, and how, how they go about that. Everybody has their own deity, you know, whether or not it's whatever, in whatever style that they right. mastered. Right. And so Yip Man says, he, he, the Grandmaster tries to get him to break a cake in half. And so they do this almost kind of dance type mm-hmm. thing. And uh, Yip Man kind of says, like, you're not... You're not thinking broadly enough. You're not opening your perception. And he and the grandmaster is, is you know, in all my years I've never been beaten and I've never had I've never had any um, opportunity per se to perceive life in a different way. Right. And so uh, he he basically concedes. He he realizes that his his vision is too small and he concedes. And then the cake, the cake breaks. Dun, yes. dun, dun. Yeah, that was a great moment. <laughs> So, and then after that, he gets to fight his daughter. So it's a really great moment of the film, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then there's like the sexual tension between um, Gong Air and right. him. And yeah, there's that whole thing where he, they're saying about, oh, well, you know, at some point we'll meet up again, come and see me or whatever. Right, right. And then he's like talking to his wife about going exactly. over there. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, exactly. There, there's a, I'm not, I'm not reading, like imagining this, like a flirtation there, right? There definitely, there definitely is. is. And, yeah. and you've just touched a great segue, Rob, because you just touched upon a lot of the themes that Wong Kar Wai talks about, which is, or his films talk about, which is love lost and mm-hmm. regretting and emotional longing and a yearning. And he does that with the music that he uses and the the visuals, um, the way the, the characters are always staring off into the and distance. the score is beautiful and, in this. Oh, the score. He does a great job when he puts... He puts music, he makes art to me. That's yeah, why yeah, yeah, I yeah. wanted to talk about this man and what he does is because it feels, it just, when you watch it, you just feel taken and you, you feel transported. And a lot of times he talks about love lost and in the mood for love mm-hmm. is, you know, this other movie that we, that I keep talking about. <laughs> um, well, if you have it, I can, I can borrow it from you at some point. And I watch would it love to, to offer it to you, to rent it out to you. Yeah. You got a Blockbuster card? <laughs> no, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> I actually might have it somewhere in my archives. Like I, I have the, a box uh, of things from a million years ago. I actually might that would literally, be one to keep, I literally huh? might have that to be like, oh, huh? you gotta keep. You and gotta have like, your blockbuster yeah. card. Don't, it's folks, a relic of a bygone folks, era. Don't throw away your blockbuster card. Nostalgia. Which is why it's so funny in the Captain Marvel trailer. She like lands from space through a blockbuster video. I'm like, oh my god, blockbuster video because it's set in See, the nineties. They know. They know. Yeah, they get they it. They know. They get it. They get it. Um, so that movie is about. Um, uh, two people, two neighbors that find out their husband and their wives are cheating on them mm, with each other. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, with each other, and so and then they develop a relationship uh, because of that, because of their uh, kind of mutual, you know, feelings of betrayal, mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah, that's a Wong thing. And then Chongqing Express is also about. A man whose girlfriend breaks up with him, and he decides he's going to give her thirty days. Another time thing. Time is another thing that right. he that he talks about a lot. Um, it makes a lot of lot of references. You'll see a lot of shots of clocks and things like that. Well, in that. this film, I think it's the photographs. Like, there's a lot of yes. photographs being taken, and then it sort of seeps from color to like sepia to like a black and white, and then it's like framed. Right, is marking this whole the process. time exactly. passage. Yes, so that's another thing that he brings up all the time. Uh-huh. 
uh, cue the nerd laugh. So, so yeah, uh, love is another thing. Love is definitely another thing, and he he certainly doesn't have any moral. You know, he doesn't seem to have any moral responsibilities to no. He's to not. Marriage he's not he judging or anything. He's like yeah. yeah. He just presents it as he it is, and then it, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then uh, you you often see the characters walking down a street together. You know, and they're. It's not. It's romantic. It's not. Yeah. It. It's not outright sexual, or it's you know. Well, it's romantic it's, in the sense of not, in, in the sense of what romanticism really is, which is playing up the beauty of uh, of you know love, life, whatever. You know, it's it's interesting, and I meant to. I wanted to make sure I brought this up. I read somewhere or saw. I forget where I heard it, but recently someone mentioned. Um, they mentioned that they compared Barry Jenkins, and if you've seen you've seen Moonlight, and I don't think you've seen If Beale Street Could Talk, which Not is yet. I don't know if know if it's out theatrically here. Um, had they compared him to sort of to Wong Kar Wai in that he's kind of uh, the like picking up the torch of looking at like love and life and like the beauty and the like, complexity of it all. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to bring that up because you have. Like kind of a Barry Jenkins story. Yes, I'm and, famous. And... Internet, I'm completely famous. I actually <laughs> went to middle school with Barry Jenkins. Oh my gosh. So how was you know again? And he loves a... Wong Kar Wai, by the way. Yeah, of course he does. Yeah. And so... you can tell watching his films. Like you yeah. can now that I've seen at least one Wong Kar Wai movie, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I get. I get, there's a similar there's a similar vibe. There's a similar beating heart between behind both of those yep. filmmakers. So, you're gonna have feelings, folks. They're gonna be feelings, and you're well, gonna feel them, and that's what he's all about, and that's what I love. There's, there's always this, there's, there's this longing, there's this mystery, there's this questioning, or did I do the right thing in the past? Right. What should I do in the future? There, there, there's always a question, and there's always a mystery, and that's what I love about it. And mm-hmm. then the way that he presents it is so um, exquisite to me. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Do you see those compared? Do you feel Barry Jenkins and Wong Kar Wai kind of share the same artistic space in a way? Oh, certainly. Certainly. And I mean, I haven't, you know, I haven't stalked Barry, you know. I do have a picture taken. Like, hey, Barry. Yeah. (laughs) Message Um, him on Twitter. Right? Yeah. Hey, Barry, remember me? Yeah, um, but I know that Barry has talked about watching right. Wong Kar Wai movies, um, especially before he really got started. Right. So um, he and he went to FSU for for film and uh, bounced around a little bit, and so I definitely think he can. He brings that feeling across that there's there's okay. So what I kind of wanted to end my whole spiel with <laughs> was that. Did I take you away from your spiel with the Barry no, Jenkins? No, no, not at all. Because I think it all relates. Right. And I think that that the the goal and the purpose of film is to explain life and to try to solve the meaning of life, right. the purpose of life, and um, but we as individuals don't know exactly why we're here and there's this great big cosmic mystery and it's all wrapped up in love and and wonderment and so film tries to explain that and but it will never be able to because Mm -hmm. we don't know and so that to me is what i think wong kar wai brings he brings that whole um 
just excitement and intrigue and mystery of what we're doing here. He and challenges you to ponder those yes, same questions. Yes, to right. not only ponder those questions, but to feel the feeling that you're always going to be on the outside mm -hmm. of of some knowledge or some experience or some feeling that you want to feel. Right. And a lot of times it's love, um, but he even addresses it in Grandmaster because he shows, he, he talks about... Um, the three stages of mastery being knowing and doing mm -hmm. and he shows he also talks a lot about childhood in this movie and coming back to childhood and he says and i'm actually quoting him here it's really about this sense of loss those times are the best times of their lives almost like paradise loss it's the rosebud of their lives um so there's there's always uh no matter what you're doing there's always that little itch in the back of your mind mm -hmm. Should there be something else? Right. And um, and he he also has Bruce Lee shows at the end Bruce Lee looking through the window mm -hmm. at him and having this awe of this grandmaster who is definitely going to change the course of his life. Right. And so that's what I just love about this this guy and what he puts on film. It's just have amazing you, to me. Have you seen Cloud Atlas? Yes. Because it, to me it relates to a lot of like art affecting the generations and how uh, in that film it's basically like eons ago like that centuries ago like tom ago. hanks right tom hanks and, and halle, halle berry, berry and okay I'm like, yeah yeah no sure but it's like right centuries one. ago this person has this experience and writes this music and then later on how it like basically uh over time like sparks a revolution and everything uh mm -hmm. it's like basically about how art can change the course of history and yes. how and legacy exactly legacy. how people can affect one another and yeah. i think this film deals with that a lot in you know uh not only gong air mm -hmm. and her story with her father but also yip man and the effect that he's going to have on bruce lee and and right so, and he so popularized so it and he took he took the martial art from being something that you've paid a handsome dowry for he talks about in the end to being something that he popularizes and gives to the whole world and mm -hmm. so that's beautiful you know and and everyone here is trying to figure out what mark they're supposed to be making on the world and so it's completely relatable, folks. I mean, it's not going to be, right. it's, you know, it's not going to be uh, rocket science in a movie. And I think the good thing about this movie, which is going back to it again, why you picked it, is that it feels like, yeah, it has, it's challenging viewers in a way, but it's also like, look, cool martial arts. Because a lot of people yes. are very guarded emotionally and don't want, don't really want to feel or they don't really want to be challenged. They just want to see the same kind of three act structure playing out, which is why, you know, yeah. as much as I, I enjoy it in its own way, which is why things like Aquaman are like I making know. 950 million worldwide or whatever it's at right. now, because it's very, it's, pure, it's safe. Pure fun. It's escapism fun, and safe and it doesn't, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't yeah. really bring, put you, it doesn't put you in that emotional headspace, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, some some films you definitely have to approach with caution. And uh, I've I've definitely been guilty of kind of taking time off from those those films because they are they are so deep. The rabbit hole there is is much deeper, you know. Yeah. And does force you to think and that that's what will happen in this film and so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You can do it. <laughs> you can handle this. Start with Grandmaster and then <laughs> ease into the rest of Long Car Wise. Uh, yes, you know, uh, filmography. You're, you're gonna be you're gonna be amazed by his his camera work. Um, he does this cool thing called step printing, 
um, where he basically takes he does it's kind of like a slow motion fast motion. I, that's thing. what I wrote. I wrote down slow and de- slow down effect slash sped up <laughs> because I, I didn't know the term yes. for it. And I was just and it gives that whole the whole Time. thing a very dreamlike quality. Yes, and he uses yes. that when he's showing things happening right it's like oh this is this happened and then moving along to but again to show time passing i think if i had any criticism of this film whatsoever it was maybe just maybe he overused the this technique in this film Mm -hmm. um because he just had sometimes there was just a person standing there and you know and it was just scene after scene where he's bringing out his big guns and it's cool to watch because what he does and and i had to look this up is he takes the frames and he duplicates the frames. Oh, okay. So that's how you're getting this technique where you're seeing it and it looks like... And then sometimes he'll have the actors move extremely slowly oh, wow. while okay. he's filming it. So you'll see people in the background almost whizzing by while the actor in the foreground is, is moving very slowly. And this is another way that he, he tackles time and he deals with time. So not only are you seeing clocks... And pictures fading, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, but you're see, you, he can take a five second uh, clip and make it five minutes long, and right. it's beautiful the whole time you're watching it. Well, so. plus, it's very poetic in a way. The characters are literally yes. moving at a different speed than the rest of the world right. around them, right? Uh, so. I, I, yeah, I did mention, I did write down here that the cinematography is, is amazing, yes. like what he does yes. with the camera and things. Did you feel because I, I sort of, I guess, when I was the first half seems like it's it does lean more on Yip Man biopic mm-hmm. territory. Did did you feel that like his the his family life kind of got short shrift because it was like very very much a montage of and I had my wife and my kids and then that's right. it and then that's what happened. Right. I'm like oh, okay. Well, there's there's two factors I think that that complicate that is a the Chinese version of this film is 130 minutes I wrote, long. Ah, I, ah, I was going to mention that too. Look at that. I'm hitting and, all his notes. This is like, and that's the, that's like basically a half hour longer than right, this. Right, right. And the movie already feels kind of long when you're, when you're in it, mm-hmm. you know, because it is so um, heavy. I feel uh, it's not heavy, but it's, it's, it's heavy and light in its own way. Right. But, so the Chinese version is a little bit longer. It gives you a little bit more. Uh, but another factor is, uh, Wong doesn't write scripts. He doesn't have like a screenplay. He's not marching in there completely mm-hmm. prepared. He's writing as he's going, and he's right. also borrowing things from the writers. And I'll quote him here: "I don't have a complete script. I'm writing every day. The script changes. I always want to borrow something from the actors, so I keep changing the way I tell a story." So, yeah, you may watch this film and be like, "What the heck? This is not your regular, <laughs> your regular kind of plot." line and he right. some of it feels a little bit jumbled and you're kind of like why is this guy in here like that razor guy yeah who you know? who is uh from crouching tiger he was the love oh. interest for zhang z in that movie oh which i thought was interesting so like and well, i saw his name well, on imdb true. and i'm like hey this guy i was like oh oh that's it with that guy oh, all right cool so yeah there might have been more in in, in the chinese version right. with him um but uh wong did see the American version as an opportunity to make a new piece of art. He didn't really perceive it as he was having to cut back so much. Right. So he took some scenes out and he actually put other scenes in. Uh, um, Tony Tony Lurn has said that, you know, it's very hard to film with him because there's no, there's no uh, plot. Um, plot. I know he's going to mess that up. 
This is the blooper reel. Here's the blooper reel. Um, that it's hard to film because he spends a lot of time filming and there's no uh, hard and fast script that he relies on. So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, it's it. He's just expressing himself, right? And just and vibing off the actors and and working with new material from what they're giving him. And so, yeah, it did seem some pieces of the American version are like, why is the sin here? Um, But perhaps they are explained in the Chinese version. Yeah, and we both made note of the fact that the on-screen text that kind of runs throughout the film, you know, explaining this is what, did you know that China was invaded by Japan? And and as, as I was watching it, and then I found this out later, and I know you did the same, uh, that, you know, that was all added in for the American release. Because as a Chinese person growing up in that culture, you would already have a semblance of knowledge of Chinese history and know what's going on. But for U.S. audiences, we have no context for that. So the film kind of has to, you know, take you by the hand a little bit. And it's like, this is what happened in China and during this time. And and uh, we get spoon that. fed a little bit. Yeah, but... a little bit. And uh, and then especially you know later as I mentioned the Japanese invasion and then the movie jumps substantially in time from I don't know I, I don't know if it's the mid forties or the early forties but it, goes to it jumps to nineteen fifty yeah. right and then it picks up in Hong Kong and then from that point on it really feels much more or less much more like a Gong Air Yip Man. Right. unrequited love story yeah. than him just you know him and then a biopic focused specifically on him if, if anything i feel like gong air kind of actually takes over the second half of the movie which in a way i found much more interesting because actually i think she's a more compelling character than yip man in a lot of ways it kind of shows that he doesn't necessarily have a, a prepared script or a screenplay because we go forward in time and then we do a flashback of Gong Air's time that she's been away from Yip Man. And um, her, the Ma San, who is the guy who eventually takes over for the Grand Master of the North, um, Gong Air's father, passes down to Ma San and he. Uh, betrays China basically and becomes in league with Japan mm-hmm. and so he goes to see the grandmaster the grandmaster talks about his supreme move and how the key of the supreme move is in turning back and looking back and i believe the grandmaster was trying to uh, you know teach him how to reflect back and and remember where he's come from right. and um, Masan says pretty much to the effect of, no, I can only advance forward. And so they have a battle and Masan ends up killing the Grand Master. So Gong Air has to avenge her father. And also in doing so, she does, she um, swears this vow to the Buddha that she will not marry, she will not have children, and she will not teach anyone uh, the 64 hands, which is their special Wong family uh, style of fighting, right. or Gong family. And um, so she, then we move forward with what goes on in her avenging, and we get to the beautiful train scene that you, you I hope, were yeah, that was great. aghast at. That was, it was great. So beautiful. Because, well, it's not only um, she has, I, I don't know if I remember if it's her or. 
her like bodyguard or whatever. But there's the that part. Man. Yeah, yeah. There's that part that happens where he, where somebody is just slashing at the enemies, and there's like the cotton from their clothes is kind of spewing off, sort of like almost like blood. Oh, that kind of thing. And then, not, and then there's the the fight with her and Masan near the train where they're like threatening to like they're holding each other's heads like yes. towards the train and and you know it was really it was a really cool visually dynamic and probably the most stirring uh, action sequence in the film i agree uh they shot that in just completely cold weather Be- believe it was negative four degrees fahrenheit manchurian weather when they were trying to film it and they had to film it at night because the train station was so packed during the day and they said they could barely get out there and do very much because it was so cold and so it took a long time to film it but um the the outcome is just amazing and I thank them personally for all that hard work they did in that cold, cold weather being a Florida girl because, uh-uh. Well, I know. what's really cool about that scene, and I think this is something that you get from Asian cinema that you don't really get from um, American or North American cinema as much, is that, you know, yeah, she's avenging her father, but other rather than if this was an American action film or whatever, it would be... It would be really more fueled by vengeance or or ego or whatever. But in this film, because of the culture, it's really just focusing on honor. She's honor. like, I need to restore the honor to my family, so I need to, to you know, to take this guy out right. in order to do that. It's not like you killed my father. Now I'm gonna like you know. It's not from a, it's not really even from a place of anger. It's from a place of it's a it's a reclamation project basically for her. Right, and how sad that this cold action that she has to do also pretty much ends her, I mean, she it ends her life in a way in terms of what opportunities or what route she wants to take with her life. Cause right. she vows all, all these things that she can't do. And she, she basically can't pass on a legacy at all of her own. And, um, that's really sad and unfortunate to me, you know, especially like I said, with a personal reference to right. my family and, and going back to that, um, but she becomes a doctor. Her dad wants her to become a doctor. So she becomes a doctor in Hong Kong. And um, she she moves forward with her life. But the injuries from this fight, she eventually picks up opium. And uh, so she has kind of a last goodbye with with Tony, with Ipman's uh, character at the end. And it's just really sad. Yeah, the, final, the final meeting in, the, yeah. in that tea house. She gives it's him like, back the button. Yeah, the Spoiler button. Spoiler alert. She gives him back a button, everyone. And and she it's professes scary. her feelings and she in that whole thing. And, yeah, and she and, does say that she was kind of into him, I think. And yeah, she's like, oh, I cared about you or something. So that's that's a long movie for you right there. And not only You're that. definitely going to feel like you, not only you, that, you lost something. Even if she wants to pass on, she's like, at that point, she's like, I already forgot the 64 hands anyway at this point. Did she? Yeah, oh, she man, says that I mean, at one point. That part. Like she, she, even if she wanted to take back, take that back, and which not that she would because she was very steadfast in that vow. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she, you know, would. so much time has passed that it's like not even a part of her anymore. Right, but also the monkey man says to her, "Oh, so much time has passed since you took that vow. Like, if you wanted to start a relationship with this man, you could." And she's like. Still, no. You know, she has to... Stick to so, it. Everybody's yeah. very principled in, in Very this principled. And and to their own detriment, it seems. And mm-hmm. 
but yeah, that that's basically the the feeling that you're gonna get from a Wong Kar Wai movie is that you you miss something so somewhere along some line you miss something or in the future you're gonna miss something and you're always gonna be on the outside of of any of of some aspect of life that you that may have brought fulfillment missed opportunities all yes. the all the shots you didn't take etc cetera, etc cetera. yes so. So yeah, and I even wrote down here about how much the film is about legacy, which we were talking about. Yeah. And it's not really a traditional biopic, um, and, and about the gender bias, like you were saying. And I mean, that's a part of that's an inextricable part of Chinese culture in general. Um, but it also makes the film feel really kind of timeless in a way, because unfortunately, that is still an issue that is universal. Really, not only not specific to China, like even in this country, we're obviously dealing with you know the Me Too movement and all the stuff in this country with gender bias and things like that. And I think that the film really handles that in kind of a, a delicate fashion. And it makes me think of, um, there's a film that is nominated, well, Golden, uh, Golden Globe winning performance from Glenn Close called The Wife, which you'd mm -hmm. probably enjoy because in that film, it's very much about her kind of taking the back seat so that her husband right. can, can you know, succeed and all that stuff and the role that she plays in their marriage within that context. And it's, it kind of examines like the traditional gender role of like, oh, the wife, you know, she's just a supportive wife that stands in the background where her husband achieves all these different things. And this film kind of had echoes of, of, that, uh, of that sort of theme as well. Right, even though it's, what did we say, five or six years old at this yeah, point? Yeah, six years old. So it's definitely, it's got some current themes to it, and uh, yeah. I like the, uh, the um, at the end of the film, the horror, sort of the, uh, I guess, denouement of uh, how Wing Chun lives on, and, and he actually yes. even addresses directly, like, to the audience, what's your style? Like, how do you live your, basically, I guess, kind of, and making you, you know, what's your philosophy? How do you live your life? What's your your code of honor? Because everybody in this movie has a very has specific, one. huh? It has one. Yeah, they have every, a code everybody of in honor, this movie so you better have one has too. A, exactly. Gentle viewers, know, know what you know what you stand for. Know right. what, where you what you're willing to do, and all this other stuff. Like everybody has a set moral code in this in this mm -hmm. film, and I think kind of, you know, throws the the focus over to the audience to be like, well, what what you know. How do you live your life? What's your style? And I thought that was kind of a uh, an interesting uh, way to turn the mirror. I mean, as you said, yes. that's what Bon Carwai's thing is already. I mean, that's what all really real art, especially you know, in cinema, is is like literally showing reflections of the world that we know and what we know about ourselves on screen. And the fact that he directed addressed that so directly, I thought was really kind of uh, clever. I agree. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Um, I mean, what what more can I say to that, Rob? Uh, also, a couple other things I wanted to make note of. This was nominated for Best Cinematography and Costume Design at the Oscars. It didn't win because it's a foreign film. It's In this country, the way that we view international films, for the most part, one category and very very rarely does it expand beyond that. It's kind of right. it's kind of impressive that it even broke into those categories, honestly. Because you know we're we're very myopic in our view of American film, and that's something that as a film critic that I'm always trying to work on. Like when I did the 2018 holiday binge, where I watched 31 films and reviewed them in the month of December, I tried to weave yeah, in. I tried to, 
<laughs> what? What an undertaking. I was. It was an <laughs> undertaking, which is why I kept feeling like I was constantly behind. But I tried to go out of my way to watch, you know, Burning, which is uh, an Asian film, and to watch uh, Roma, which is the Mexican film by Alfonso mm-hmm. Cuaron that's now, like, winning awards and said to be a big Oscar player and things like that. I tried to go out of my way to to, to watch those those films and get different, you know, a, Wide, wide array of yeah of perspective yeah. of voices because in this country we're kind of it's kind of a circled a narrative circle jerk of like oh America America and right. everybody's just kind of like saying regurgitating the same thing so it's it's uh, helpful to have that outside perspective yes run run into it don't don't shy away from it because you're gonna have to read some subtitles right exactly um, and different countries have different laws they and they allow different things and so. Sometimes you can see more taboo things um, uh, in film that, you know... Right. That we may not be able to capture. Maybe we shouldn't capture, but, um, you know, so there's always a new perspective to see. I love foreign films. Right, Um, They teach us something different, and, yeah, they they take us out of our comfort zone here in, in America, and... You know, we're very lucky with the film industry that we have and, and how far it's come and what we've got. But um, there is there is a uh, something to be said for toning it down or scaling it back. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be all CGI all the time. Right, right. And uh, so that's what he does. I feel like he makes art and, yeah. and you experience it and... Almost, it feels to me like every frame in this film, you could print it out and put it in a picture frame and it would be a beautiful work of art in mm-hmm. and of itself. Um, he, the way that he plays with colors and then the way that he combines sound, it, it's, it's just exquisite. That's, I mean, that's the word that I can kind of... This, this is actually his most expensive film. Which I found interesting. Apparently, according to you know online, it's, it's a, it costs the equivalent of like roughly thirty eight million dollars U.S. Because that's I mean here we spend obscene amounts of money on movies, and I think you can as you just as you just mentioned, a lot of it's like you know just CGI soup mm-hmm. pretty much. Is I think what I called Aquaman CGI in my review. Soup. <laughs> it's just like well let's throw some of this in there. Right. Um, and and there's something to be said for a film that relies on you know actual sets and uh, production design and costume design and and right. kind of the stylistic touch that the director brings other rather than you know whatever the visual effects teams can can create and render on screen right like for instance with his step printing you can just you can take a scene and duplicate frames which I'm no I'm no film editor, but that seems like it would be a pretty easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then you create this effect that's all your own, and that's when you look at any Wong Kar Wai film, it's got the, this style to it, and you you see it and you know it, and uh, so it's 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 just amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I guess now it's kind of a good place to move into final thoughts. This is, uh, you know, this is, was Wong Kar Wai's, as I said, most expensive film. It's also his highest grossing film. What are, you know, what are your, th- I would say if, if, this, if you feel like this film has held up, but, or holds up, but you've only watched it a couple times. So what would you say to, I guess you kind of already addressed this, but what would you say to people that, uh, you know, are curious about Wong Kar Wai or want to get into uh, foreign films, why Grandmaster is a good place to start? 
I think it is a great place to start because it's on a subject that you probably know something about. I, most people have heard of Bruce Lee. I mean, come well, on. Well, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So it's not so foreign that you're you're going to feel out of touch with the subject matter. Um, and as we discussed, there are current themes that, that we're tackling now that they were tackling back then, and we're still trying to work on them. And if anything, it's a feast for the eyes. It's stunningly beautiful to watch the sets that they've used, the, the headaches that they went through to shoot this film. It took 22 months for them to shoot. Um, wow. It shows. It shows. And yeah, it may not be 38 million in, in you know, green screen in, and CGI, but right. what they did spend their money on, you can tell it works beautifully. And uh, you're not going to be disappointed, people. I, I wouldn't have suggested this film if I thought you would be. So <laughs> I'm just really happy that I finally got you to watch a, a Wong Kar Wai movie. I've been nagging Rob Which, for years Which, to be fair, it's not that I didn't want to. <laughs> it's that it's like one of the, you know, when you're trying to keep up with the current releases, which every week there's usually know, at least a few never to watch, it's hard to, to find the time to go back and watch older films and this isn't even that old of a film it's and not. i remember hearing about this when it came out and be like oh that sounds cool i should watch that and then never got a chance to for whatever reason yeah so now that you've kind of broken the seal on wong kar wai i you know maybe now i could be like i could jump back into it without as much of a uh learning curve i guess right, as it were right and Did, it's definitely worth it it's definitely worth taking the time i don't think that you would watch it and feel like your time is wasted right it's certainly not like a sharknado or you know well, and, so the, and that's why i don't really understand people <laughs> that their thing is they watch terrible films and they seek out films that they know are terrible and that's like their primary like if you watch that every once in a while that's fine but i have i have friends and i know people that what they choose to watch how they spend their time is to watch terrible movies because they get a kick out of them being terrible. It's like watching reality television instead of like, you know, yeah, know it's like a train Breaking wreck. Bad or whatever. Yeah. 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 I don't understand that because I want to see things. I mean, you know, watching a comedy or whatever, like, because I love like Austin Powers movies and things like that. And those are not like tremendous works of art or anything. But I don't understand the, the going out of your way to deliberately watch bad things instead of watching things that are actually have something of substance, you know? I guess that's what we're saying. People want something escapism where they can just, right. like, either you know, feel better about themselves because they're watching something like, oh, this is terrible. Exactly. Or, or just not not feel challenged. And I think, you yeah. know, if you're in the mood for something like that, if you're in the mood for love, <laughs> or if you're in the mood for to, to see something that's kind of broadened your horizon a little bit culturally, I think Wong Kar Wai, is, with my limited experience, does seem like, a pretty strong starting point uh, or continuing point if you're to develop your, uh, I guess, cinema education. Certainly. While I was reviewing for our podcast, I noticed some folks had said that he makes very pretentious films. And I think that can come with any art house film, somebody who's maybe wanting to really express a feeling and to have feelings while watching a film instead of like yeah kill that guy smash that guy you know um yeah there's a way there's there, a, there's a there, lot there's a way of there's a difference between when a film that's try that thinks it's more important than it actually is or is like trying really hard to be that and something mm -hmm. that just 
like like we said, that has something to offer. Right. And this man, I think the themes that he addresses in a lot of his films are relatable and they're um, ubiquitous. I think everyone can can wrap their head around uh, losing a love loved one, losing their family, um, having to you know struggle and yeah. So it, it's maybe presented in a way that is fine, and uh, but it's still worthy of your time for sure. Great, yeah, I agree. I agree. Is there any other things? Any because you had more extensive notes than I did. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention before we peace out? No, I just. Uh, oh, you were talking about. I did have a quote in here about the um, the first scene with the fighting. And oh yeah, yeah. He, he's talking about Wing Wing Chun. Again, my apologies if I'm not saying that correctly. But uh, in the movie, they talk about how that martial art only has three different moves, basically like basic moves, and how there's a lot more flowery uh, martial arts schools that you could work with. He says. Wing Chun is not actually very eye-pleasing, but when you shoot it at like 500 frames per second, you can actually see how these raindrops interact with the actions, and it's very beautiful. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. He is about uh, putting a micro microscope on um, moments in time and, make, and making art and making beauty out of them even if they're uh, finite and fleeting. Yeah. And so go see a Wong Kar Wai movie, people. <laughs> if, I, if I haven't done enough to convince you, then I will just order it and demand it. There Do it. And uh, you will be happy and you can thank me later that's on a, my next podcast that's with a Rob. perfect note to go out on. Uh, well, thank, <laughs> Carrie, thank you so much for being Thanks, on the Cookie Rob, Table Podcast. Thanks, Rob. great time. We'll have to do this again, possibly yes. Wong Kar Wai or... Or like I said, you know, uh, having a black swan debate would be good bonus content for the Patreon. Oh. So we'll have to we'll have to see what we can come up with. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, great. Thanks. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to crookedtable.com/guest. Or you can consider supporting the show at patreon.com/crookedtable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at crookedtable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-L-K-E-D. Z-R-O-L-K-E-D. <laughs> <laughs>